It's just good to praise the Lord. You know, it's not that God needs our praise. Uh, he's got the angelic choirs praising him constantly. But he loves to know that we love him. He loves to hear that, that we're mindful of him. And we need to praise God, don't we? Because it reminds us that he's in control. He went to Calvary for us. And if he did that for us, there's nothing he won't do for us. Our deacons, our ushers are going to be preparing the Lord's Supper now. They're going to be bringing to us the, the elements for the Lord's Supper. And as we receive the elements, I'm going to invite you to hold them until we've all received them, and then we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. And gentlemen, you can come down as you're ready and, and begin to distribute those elements. But I wonder, do we really understand what the Lord's Supper is? Why do we do this? What's the purpose of it? The Lord's Supper is a time of remembrance. It's a time of remembrance. Remember we were talking in Colossians chapter two, verse eight, here a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about Paul's admonition against false teaching that was going on in the church. And he said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. In other words, Paul's saying this to these, these wonderful believers at the city of Colossae. He's saying, you know, humanity, even at this early time in the Christian experience, has had this tendency to try to make what God has made simple difficult and confusing and supernatural. And that's what they were trying to do, as you recall in our lessons in, in Colossae. And he, he said, no, God has made simple. Remember, a lot of this, this heresy that was going on was because they couldn't accept the fact that God made the gospel so simple. God made salvation so simple. Salvation comes through, as John 3, 16 says, for what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life, right? How hard is that? Well, human beings say, oh, that's just too simple. It can't be that easy. And so they've tried to make what God made simple complicated. In many cases, sensational, supernatural. And that certainly has happened in the case of the Lord's Supper. Some Christian denominations have come up with an idea of what's called transubstantiation. Now what's transubstantiation? Well that means that someone like me, who's ordained, when these elements are passed out, I would say a prayer I would consecrate the bread, consecrate the cup, and those symbols that we have would metamorphize into the actual body and the actual blood of Jesus Christ. It's a common tradition in some of the mainline Christian faiths. 
And that's why in, in some of these churches, there's so much emphasis on communion, part of the service, because everything leads to that. And this magical thing that happens. But there is no evidence scripturally whatsoever. Even at the very first taking of the Lord's Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room, that there's anything mystical about it. He was using symbols, bread, for his body. He was using a symbol, cup of wine, for his blood. Well, during the Protestant Reformation, the Protestant reformists began to say, you know, this transubstantiation thing, that, that's not biblical, that's not scriptural. But yet they still wanted to kind of keep the sensational idea to, to the Lord's Supper. And so they came up with a new theology that they called consubstantiation. Transubstantiation is when the elements actually transfer into the literal body and blood of Jesus. Well, they said that's not true. So they replaced it with consubstantiation. Consubstantiation teaches that although when the officiating clergy person officiates over the Lord's Supper, communion, Although there's nothing physically sensational that happens, consubstantiation teaches that the presence of the Lord comes into the elements. The spirit of the Lord indwells the elements. They don't turn into the actual body and blood, but there's this other supernatural thing that happens and, and the presence of God links with the elements. But again, there's no scriptural evidence of that. Those are things that mankind has wanted it to happen because we want it to be a bigger deal than what Jesus made it. But Jesus said, what? As off as you do this, do what? Eat the bread. As off as you drink the cup, read it with me. Do this Wait a minute, say that again. Do this in remembrance of me. That's all. He said, it's a time of remembrance. Just so you don't forget my love for you. Just so don't, you, you don't forget the, the, the depth of sacrifice I was willing to go for you. So as we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, let's remember that we're doing it in, in remembrance of him in remembrance of his amazing love for us, in remembrance of his amazing sacrifice for us. It's also a time of reflection. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So there ought to be a time of examination that we should reflect upon this. You know, for a long time, I used to think that, that before we partook of the Lord's Supper, we were to examine ourselves to make sure that we were worthy to partake it. But I've subsequently come to understand that 
the reason that we're to examine ourselves is to remind ourselves how unworthy we really are of what Jesus did for us. And when we, we come to that understanding, when we come to that realization, that produces what in us? Gratitude. That's what he said about what we're doing today. He said, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't it amazing that even back in the first century, the Holy Spirit knew that we were going to have traditional services and contemporary services? So we're going to sing psalms and hymns. That's traditional service. Spiritual songs, that's the contemporary service. It was all laid out, see? But the important thing to remember as you're doing that, what's the last words of that verse, be thankful, be thankful. And as we reflect on the fact that we're so unworthy of what God has done for us, it produces in us thanksgiving. It's a time of reflection on ourselves as sinners for whom Christ died. It's a time of rejoicing. Did you ever think about that? You know, we, we can get so solemn with this, you know. But it's a time of rejoicing. Because we know our sins have been forgiven. This whole thing, that's what it's represented. That's what it's symbolic of. That's what we're remembering, is that it was through Jesus Christ that our sins can be forgiven. We're no longer accountable to our sins. Colossians 2.13, we looked at it just a couple weeks ago, said, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, that's where we all started when we were born into this world. But it goes on to say, God made you what? Alive. How? With Christ. He forgave us some of our sins. All of our sins. Isn't that amazing? That's why Paul can write in Romans 10.9 that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we'll be what? We'll be saved. Acts 2.21 says what? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Think about that. There's no one excluded from God's offer of eternity. No one. None of us here are excluded. Most of us here have already availed ourselves of Christ's forgiveness. If not, you can do it right now. But through that simple verse that we just looked at, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. God will work the miracle of eternity in your life right now. It's a time of expectation. Paul later writes in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26, when he's teaching the Corinthian church about this ceremony, about this observance and remembrance of Christ, he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, it's so easy, and there's so many people, and one of the biggest criticisms against evangelical Christianity is that we believe Jesus is coming again, Right? People go, oh, that was, he was just being symbolic. He's not coming back. There's no second coming. But every time we take of the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder that he is coming again. And when he does, everything that's wrong will be made right. Think of all that's wrong in our world today. Think of all that's wrong in our culture today. Think of all that's wrong in our political systems. Think of all that wrong that leads people to be in hospitals and that today. All that is going to be done. 
Even when Jesus establishes his millennial kingdom, before he establishes his, his eternal kingdom, scripture says, and the lion will lie down next with the lamb. And it said, the little, the little baby, think about this mom, think about this grandma, will play at the viper's hole, the serpent's hole, the poisonous snake's hole, because everything will be brought back into the harmony that creation was originally created to, to experience. Wipe all tears away from our eyes. Just think we'll never have to cry in sorrow again. Hear stories all the time this week. People who have had surgery and are in pain and it breaks our hearts for them. People who have passed on. Families that are dysfunctional and broken. All the the hardships that bring tears to our eyes and anguish to our, our spirits, all that's gone when Jesus comes. And the best part is we will ever be with the Lord. Never again we'll be out of his protection. Never again we'll be away from his presence. We will live eternity with him. See, that's, that's what we remember when we partake of these elements. Matthew 26, 26 records the very first time this occurred. It was on the night Jesus was to be betrayed. That very night Jesus would be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He would be taken to the house of the chief priest Caiaphas of the nation of Israel. They would beat him and interrogate him, torture him. The next day they would deliver him to Pilate. And although Pilate would see and find no fault in Jesus whatsoever, Jesus was scourged, beat almost to the point of death. And even when that didn't pacify the mob outside Pilate's mansion, he offered Jesus up for crucifixion. And what Jesus shared with his disciples the very night before became a reality. Jesus first took bread while they were eating and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love for us. We're humbled once again as we understand the power of just this simple ceremony that we partake. We're humbled by the message of it. And yet we're excited by the message of it. Now we pray that as we continue to sing with psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs today 
that our praise to you might be a demonstration of our love towards you. And Lord, that we, we might understand that what we're doing right now is just not singing songs, but we're connecting with you. And Lord, whether our voices are pleasant from a human perspective doesn't matter because what you're looking at is our heart. You're looking at our soul, our spirit. And our willingness to use these songs to say, I love you. To say, I humble myself before you. To acknowledge, God, that you are our God. Jesus is our Savior and the Holy Spirit is our power to live life. Receive our thanksgiving now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we sing, our ushers are going to come and they're going to receive our morning offering. Yet another way to demonstrate our love to the Lord. If you don't have time to prepare your gift before the offering plate is passed, that's fine. We have offering kiosks behind all the seating areas. And you can even use your, your phone to give. Part of our worship, part of our praise is the gifts that we give. Let's receive the gifts this morning. Today, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, in the lobby at our guest services booth, we have a little rack, and it has some little blue books in it. And the title of the little blue book is says, You Can Be Sure. If you have any question about where you're going to spend eternity, stop by there and pick up one of those books. It's free. You don't have to talk to anybody. They're in a little rack. You'll see them just pull one out. Or there's a literature rack in the lobby. Pull one out of there. Take it home and read it. And that little booklet will reveal to you everything that Scripture has revealed to humanity about how our sins can be forgiven and we can know that heaven will be our home. Now that's something to praise the Lord about. Amen? Let's do it again.